You're listening to the Casual Mancatter on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. The T20 section of Australia's Tour of the West Indies has, mercifully, come to its conclusion. And Australia has been well and truly handed their backside in a 4-1 defeat. To be fair, they made some changes in the final two games in order to give other guys a go. So today we'll discuss just what the team can take away from the five-match stint and in what direction that may point the team as it heads towards the T20 World Cup in October. And we can also look ahead to the three ODIs that now come up and whether results may change with a few more overs tucked into the saddle. The opinions that count for little from the casual man-catter right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cabin. G'day there and welcome to a short edition of this program, Unscripted. Some of the stuff I do now is scripted and this one is completely off the radar, off the head, out of my head, whatever it is. See, that's it's starting well already, isn't it? The T20 series in the West Indies is finished. And having lost the first three games, Australia ended up losing this series 4-1. But at least both teams did make changes going into those last two games, no doubt to give... Maybe the Windies were giving some rest. They've still got a fair bit of cricket ahead of them. They've got uh, they've got the Caribbean Premier League starting shortly, so they'll be doing that as well. And Australia, well, they just need to find to see if they can find anyone who's going to do the job for them because at the moment, they're really struggling. And... As I said at some stage, probably in the last episode, that uh, all those who are sitting at home who didn't tour because they didn't want to go into another bubble and all that kind of stuff, who then was Trevor Hones and Aaron Finch both came out fairly strongly saying, well, <laughs> they they may have not have found a way back into this T20 World Cup. They might have found a way back in just by not being there at all because the results have not been what Australia would have hoped for. And... We've made the point before that they, of course, came out cold. They haven't been playing any cricket, so all they've done is had a couple of hits in the nets and then they've gone straight over there and they've struck a West Indies team that has been playing against South Africa and lost a T20 series to South Africa, but at least have had cricket under their belt and they've got a better idea of how their team works. Not like Australia. So as we said, Australia did win that fourth game uh, that was played a couple of days ago. Uh, Finch won the toss again and decided to bat. And this time, he and Mitch Marsh were the main contributors to the score. Uh, Finch made 53 of 37, though. He started off rocky again and probably should have been out early again. So he's having a little bit of luck at the moment. And Mitch Marsh finished with 75 off 44 balls. And what a series he's been having. And is he finally coming? <laughs> See, you've waited for someone's waiting out there laughing at me, waiting for someone to say, oh, maybe you're going to say Mitch Marsh is finally going to realise his talent and all that kind of crap. 
Well, no, I'm not going to say that. So there. But it is nice to see him doing well. Even if it is only a T20 level, at least he's shown a lot of consistency with everything in this series. Uh, the rest of the middle order again fell over, though, which is disappointing when Australia really should have pushed on and made a score probably over 200. Eventually six for 189. Uh, the West Indies should not have gotten anywhere near as close as they did, but then they took 24 or 26 off uh, Riley Meredith's last over, which was the 19th over, which meant they just needed 11 off the last over. And then um, <laughs> Andre Russell played it almost a maiden to Mitch, uh, to Mitch Stark because he decided he was going to be the man that won them the game, and he didn't. So what a shame that was. And again, that was a game that I guess West Indies should never have gotten that close to winning. And then with an over to go, they were odds on to win and probably still should have won that game. So we went into the fifth game and Australia uh, didn't win the toss for the first time in the series, but the West Indies batted and they just blew Australia away, made 199. Australia actually did pretty well to drag them back. They looked like they were going to make 220 or something at one stage. Uh, Evan Lewis scored 79 off 34. Uh, Chris Gale, 21 off 7. Uh, Nicholas Perran, 31 off 18. He got dropped terribly at one stage. 8 for 199. was really always going to be too many for Australia. They gave it a good shot. Uh, Finch, 34 off 23. Marsh again, 30 off 15. Moses got another start, 21 off 14, but again didn't go on with it. Matthew Wade batting down the order for the first time, 26 off 18, and then the rest sort of made bits and pieces. 9 for 183, 16 runs, and that was only boosted by Josh Hazelwood going nuts at the end with 13 not out off five balls with a 6 and a 4. Holy dooly. Put him up the order. Um, so the 4-1 result, um, you could almost say uh, that actually is not a fair reflection <laughs> on the way the series went. I think 5-0 was pretty much as close as it should have been. And, yeah, as we've said, there are, there are probably reasons why Australia haven't performed as well as they would have liked. Uh, they are short-staffed, they have had no cricket, and the West Indies are as at full strength as they can probably get at the moment, uh, even though Kyron Pollard isn't playing, Jason Holder isn't playing. But their older guys uh, did their job as much as you would expect them to do. And I think for them, that's probably terrific again going into a T20 World Cup. They want to defend their title. Uh, it's the form of the game that they are absolutely best at at the moment. And maybe, I don't know, are Australia, I mean, obviously Australia are focused on trying to win that, but are they? Are, are Australian supporters really as invested in, winning a T20 World Cup as they would be, say, winning the Ashes. And I think you would say 99.94%, see what I did there, that average, um, would say that the Ashes are far more important than the T20 World Cup. And whatever happens in T20 cricket doesn't really matter in the long run. can't remember the result the next day. Man out at long on, but he needs to be 25 seats back. So going forward... Uh, there are three one-days to go yet, which we'll discuss in a second. But first, I just want to look at the possibility of T20 cricket going forward. Now, Australia is supposed to go to Bangladesh for a five-match series. It's going to be five games in about nine days, I think. At this stage, that's still all goes, all go ahead. And uh, 
I'm assuming it's going to be pretty much the same sort of squad. I'm assuming that no one who's in Australia are going to want to quarantine for 14 days at the start and 14 days at the end to go for a nine-day trip to Bangladesh. Not even a Kontiki tour, really. So I'm assuming there'll be the same sort of squad going over there, maybe a couple of tweaks. But what do Australia do now going forward looking towards that T20 World Cup? Now, even if they go to Bangladesh and do well, and they and they you would hope they would do well against Bangladesh, but there's no guarantee on their wickets that they will, you have to look at the team as they are and the way they performed and, and who still has enough credits in the bank to get chosen in a squad. Now, I'm going to assume they're going to take 15 to the T20 World Cup, and they're going to be hoping that a lot of those will be playing in the IPL before they go so that they're in that kind of form. But again, there's no guarantee of that happening. So... I look at it at the moment and I look at the squad and you think, well, um, firstly, we've got four keepers in the team, four keeper batsmen, and we certainly don't need four keeper batsmen. Um, my guess is they'll only take one and, uh, and they'll fill the other spots otherwise. So if you look at that, you'd have to say that Josh Phillip, he's probably done his dash, uh, failed to score today in uh, the fifth game. So he's had enough chances now really to try and establish himself. He's been up and down the order a bit. But he hasn't really moved and made a score yet that everyone could be happy with saying, well, you can play just as a batsman. Uh, ben McDermott's in the same position. He's had plenty of chances and hasn't been able to pull it off. Uh, Alex Carey, at the moment, he's just not the preferred T20 keeper. Uh, he hasn't been for at least 12 months. So it seems unlikely they're going to change that tact uh, in the next few months. And, of course, Matthew Wade is the current um, man behind the stumps. He scored enough runs to warrant inclusion in the team. So you would guess that Matthew Wade will be the Cooper batsman who does tour to the T20 World Cup. I don't think he's going to be opening the batting, which is what he's been doing and he's been successful at. And I tell you what, today in the fifth game, they batted him at six just for a change. And like I said, he made he made 20 odd. He did okay. I think that was more the team saying to Matthew Wade, well, you know what? You're not going to be holding that opening position once old Buggerlugs comes back into the team. So perhaps number six is going to be a spot. Let's see how you go there. Uh, so to me, I think that was eye-opening in that respect. And I think that is absolutely the reason why he batted down the order today, to establish himself there as the number six and the wicketkeeper in the T20 squad going forward. Uh, so other guys in the team who have had their chance, who you'd have to think are on thin ice, Unfortunately, from my point of view, I think Moses Onrooks has, has done his dash. He looks good every time he comes to the wicket, but he just can't get beyond 20. He gets to 20 and he gets out. And we can't keep having that kind of player in this team when you really need someone to come in and, and make their mark and score probably more runs than that, despite the fact he might only get a few overs. But he's had a fair crack at having you know more than 10 overs to bat in an innings to establish himself and to make a score, and he hasn't been able to do that. And he's not bowling either, so he's not really holding down an all-rounder's position. Um, it'll be difficult, I think, for both uh, Dan Christian, and uh, he's come into the team, obviously, with the behind him having won or been involved in so many winning teams in T20 cricket. Uh, but again, he hasn't probably done enough 
in the games he had in this series to really push his case forward. Now, that may well be different. I'm sure he will go to Bangladesh, and he may well dominate Bangladesh, and they might get him into that team. I don't think he's going to be a first-team player. I do think he's going to be uh, one of the reserves. Alex Alex Carey, sorry. Let's try that again. Um, Ash Turner is the other one who has been over there. Didn't get much of a go again. Still seems like the guy who could be a five, six, or seven, and come in and bash a few at the end. But again, he's on that edge because there are other guys who are going to come back into this team who can probably do that job. So he's probably on a knife's edge as well. Other guys have had their go. I mean, Berendorf got smashed again. Um, it seems unlikely going into a T20 World Cup in the UAE that we're going to take too many more than four pace bowlers. And you can be sure that Stark and Hazelwood are going to be two of those. And you would expect Pat Cummins, no matter what he decides to do at the moment, he's the vice-captain of all the teams, he's going to come back into that team. So that's three pace bowling spots already. He may well struggle, Berendorf, to get another look in. Uh, Mitch Swepson got his go today, which is good. He had a good first over. He got, uh, he got Chris Gale out and then went the journey. So, again... I can't see them taking more than two frontline spinners because I think the frontline spinners they've got, which is obviously Adam Zampa and Ashton Agar, are going to get all the games anyway. And we're not going to be in a position where we're going to play three spinners. And if we do, well, we've got a couple of guys who are coming in who can bowl a bit of part-time stuff anyway. So I think uh, Swepson, looking at that T20 squad for the World Cup, is probably unlikely to get a game. But he could go to Bangladesh and he might, again, prove me wrong. So going forward... The guys coming back into the team, you would be very unlikely not to see David Warner, Steve Smith, Glenn Maxwell, Manus Labuschagne, and probably Marcus Stoinis all come back into that team. Uh, and Pat Cummins, of course. Now, if you're looking at a, an 11 at the moment that I would think would be the 11 that would go into that T20 World Cup, my guess is that it will be Finch at the top with Warner. I think. Marsh probably holds his spot at three just because he's done so well there. And Smith can bat at four. I don't think that's a problem. And then you've got Maxwell at five. And you can mix and match that depending on the, the game. But I don't think Smith has to bat at three. I think he can bat at four. And if Marsh is doing so well at that number three spot and has gained confidence in batting there, then why would you move him when you finally when he's finally find, found a place in this format? So that would be the top five. You'd have Wade at six as the keeper batsman. And then you have your five bowlers, which you would expect, I think, would be Ashton Agar, uh, Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, and Zampo. And that would be your 11. And then you take four reserves. Now, I'd expect that Manus Labuschagne should be one of those guys. They'd be crazy not to take him if they're really focused on winning the World Cup. If they're not, if, they look, if they're also worried about looking at the Ashes, then you send Marnus Labuschagne home to Australia and he plays Shield cricket. But honestly, if, they, if you're serious about it, you've got to take your best guys. And if you were going to pick your best batsman, then Labuschagne's got to be one of them. Uh, Stoinis probably does go uh, just because he'll be in the IPL. I guess he'll be going back to that again. Uh, he, does, he can bowl. He's one of those guys that can monster attack if you need it. He's sort of that backup all-rounder, I guess. And then the two bowling spots, I think, would be uh, it's a toss-up at the moment. I would go with AJ Ty. I think he was really good 
in the game he played today in the fifth one-day international. And I think over the summer he did enough to show that he's still got something, at least in this form of the game. And um, I think he's worth persisting with, and I think he's the guy I would take. And as a final backup, I'm guessing Daniel Sams is still in the mix, even though he's not over in the West Indies at the moment. His was more a mental health issue sort of thing. Uh, hopefully he gets beyond that, and then we get to the point where the World Cup comes and he can be a fixture in that team. So that would be the 15 that I would think at the moment are in the front line to go. Uh, what Would I do that? Well, I, I guess in the long run that's what you have to look at. That could change again. Probably tomorrow, to be honest. It's the same as a T20 game. Things change every day. And good news for Australia going into the T20 World Cup. They've had the draw uh, for the groupings. And Australia's grouping, it's a very, very simple one. Yep, it's uh, England, South Africa, and the West Indies. So we can't beat the West Indies at the moment. Haven't beaten England in anything short form for ages. And South Africa seem to be beating everybody left, right, and centre and can probably give us a flogging too. So that's going to be a tough group. And then there will be two other teams coming into that uh, with the other playoffs before that. So we'll probably get stuck with um, Sri Lanka and Ireland as well, and they'll probably give us a hiding too. So maybe we won't have to worry about who we take over there because maybe we're just going to get our asses flogged and we can all come home early and prepare for the Ashes. Mitchell Johnson now. So there are three one-day games to go in the West Indies. Uh, they'll be played over a five-day period. I think the first game's on Wednesday. I think it's a Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So Australia have the same squad over there. Um, so you can't expect, I suppose, to see too many changes in that team. It'll be interesting to see whether Matthew Wade gets the job as the opening batsman in the one-day squad as well or whether he's dropped down the order. You would expect that Alex Carey will be picked as the wicketkeeper in the one-day team, as has been the case over recent times. Uh, and then how we go about the bowlers, we've still had Wes Agar over there who hasn't been given a game yet, and he is pretty handy. He had a, he's had a couple of good years in the Shield cricket and in one-day cricket and Big Bash cricket, so maybe he'll get the chance to show his wares. Um... The batting is going to be our problem, I think. There's no doubt about that. We've certainly got Stark and Hazelwood over there for bowling firepower. Uh, Adam Zamper has been our number one spinner in one day game for some time now. Ashton Agar may well get a run as well, depending on the wickets. Uh, but the batting, well, as it struggled in the T20 game, well, it's it's probably not really set up for this uh, one day stuff either, given that we have Warner. Smith, Maxwell, Labashane, our four main batsmen from our one-day team, not there. So there'll be at least four other guys in there. So tough job for Aaron Finch, I think, over there to try and find a way to cobble together a total to allow his bowlers to bowl the opposition out. Unless, of course, he continues to win the toss and field, in which case we've got to find a way to get out quickly so that we don't have to chase. Something like that, anyway. Uh, another good chance for Mitchell Marsh to really stake a claim as a as a reformed all-rounder. He's fit. He looks good at the moment with the bat and the ball. 
if he could have three good games in this one-day series, that really lifts his profile going forward into the Australian summer, which is a great thing for him. I am not going to say he's the new reborn man and that he's the one for Australia. The selectors will do that for us anyway. You've got to pick a marsh, haven't you? Anyway, we'll see. Uh, I'd like to think Australia can win these games, but we've got to find a way to get runs. And so it's it's going to be very important, I think, for Finch and Carey and Mitch Marsh uh, to make good runs. Let's hope that uh, Moses gets on board and gets a good score in this one-day game to to make his tour worthwhile, to show that the form he's shown has been good, but he's been getting himself out. Maybe in the one-day game with 50 overs, he can settle down, settle himself in and make a really big score. Good day. Well, thanks for putting up with me for another 15 or 20 minutes or however long I rambled on for. Uh, for all two, three, seven of you, however many it is who might be actually tuning in to see if I can glean anything for you, uh, give you some information that you don't already know, or provide some insights that you might think, oh my God, I never thought of that. Seems unlikely, but you hold out hope sometimes here on a Saturday afternoon in the Metal Cavern. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you will return one day to listen to The Casual Mancatter right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cabin. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.